Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. Just a heads up, Zoom did not record me in this video, so you're only gonna see my grandpa's face, but you'll still hear my voice. Thanks for tuning in. This is a really important episode all about my grandpa's story. You don't wanna miss it. Send this to a friend. Hey, what's up everyone? Happy Freedom Friday. Today is a very important episode. You're gonna be learning all about who is Tom Ratchford? And you might be asking, who's Tom Ratchford? It's my grandpa. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. I'm anxious to find out some things about this guy. <laughs> We're going to be learning all about, Grandpa, your testimony, your walk with the Lord, some of the things that you've been involved in, because you, you've you've been involved in some, some pretty cool things. And then I'm going to get your opinion on maybe some things that are happening um, right now in the world. So, Without further ado, let's get into this. Okay. All right. So, Grandpa. Yes. Have you have you always been a Christian? No, uh, I haven't. I, I when I was a child, my my mother was instrumental in taking me to church, and I became very involved in the church in my younger years, and. Uh, I thought going to church was the right thing to do. And I think it was a, it is a good thing to do. It's a very good thing to do Yeah, because scripture says we should be with other believers, but the, the church that I went to, which is a mainline Protestant church here in America, one of the largest, uh, my understanding of, of Jesus, who he is and what the Bible is and what it says, uh, what I came away with was the idea that Jesus died 2000 years ago for the sins of the world. And therefore I'm covered because he already, he already died. So I don't have to worry about anything. I don't have to make a response to that. It's done at some point in history. God sent Jesus. He died for everybody's sins. So I'm taken care of. Yeah. So then it became, well, am I doing, am I a good guy? Do I do a good thing? Sure. So I, I went to church faithfully. In fact, I got a seven-year pin that meant I had been there every Sunday without missing a single Sunday for seven wow. years. I'm sure that's and the requirement to get into heaven also. It, I was sure that I was getting into heaven. And I, uh, I, I became the, uh, the, the president of the youth group because mm -hmm. I... And every time we had a project to go to somebody's house to clean up their yard or mow their lawn or help old ladies with their whatever, I was there doing it because I knew that I was supposed to do good things. And that made God really happy. And that's all that was left. I didn't have to worry yeah. about salvation because Jesus died 2000 years ago. Gotcha. I never took, I never understood that it was my sin that caused Jesus to die on the cross to take care of my sin. And if I were the only person uh, who needed salvation from sin, he came to, to take sin away from every one of us, even me. I didn't get that, mm. uh, but I sang in the choir. Ah, yes, I was, I was the only child who sang in the adult choir at that church. Uh, because I knew it was a thing to, uh, th there was an old lady who lived down the street from me and the assistant pastor at the church lived there at her place, rented a room from her. And so I spent a lot of time. I took care of her yard and did a lot of projects for her because she was an old lady. And so I spent time with that pastor and we talked about different things, godly things. And I thought I'm a godly guy. I'm doing my godly stuff. I never had a really 
personal relationship with Jesus. I thought about Jesus. I thought about, you know, he died on, on the cross and that was a terrible thing. And, but he's, you know, he's alive. And someday when I get to heaven, somehow, somewhere, I'll be, I'll, I could probably say hi to him and so on. <laughs> anyway, little, little did I know that that, that wasn't the answer, but I thought, man, I got it. I'm doing the right yeah. things. I'm doing everything that's right. That's going to get me to, to so, a wonderful afterlife. You know, it sounds like a, a lot of people today, they just think I have to be a good person. And the reason why I asked you about being a Christian all your life right off the bat is because anybody who, who meets us, um, they know that Jesus and our, our faith in him is the most important thing in our lives is the reason why we have the family we have the, the reason why um, we have the joy we have. And so that's the one thing I wanted to ask you most about, because as Benjamin Franklin said, God governs in the affairs of men and he's been governing throughout history. And that has been so true in our own lives, but especially in your life, because you had this time in your childhood where you were raised to do the right thing. But no mm -hmm. one ever said, hey, you need to repent of your own sin and ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life and forgive you of your sin. You just figured you were right with God because you were doing the right thing. That's so, exactly what I thought. Yeah. As you go now, what started to change from being a young boy to finally becoming a Christian? Well, my my family moved away from that town to to Colorado, and uh, even oh, though I became, in Denver, it's cold there. Yes, it is, and I was in Aurora, which is a suburb on the east side of Denver, uh, and it was cold there and high altitude, a mile and a half above sea level, and but a great place to live. And I went to a church there, which same denomination of the one that I had gone to earlier, and my understanding of Jesus didn't change, but I, I thought I would do good things and I did good things. But as I got older, uh, into high school and, uh, into college, my selfish nature took over. And, uh, I decided that there were things that I was going to do because I wanted to do them and I was going to do them the way I wanted to do them. And so uh, there was, there was a, a time when I didn't, totally abandon all the good works that I thought I should do, but good works were not the primary thing that I was looking to do. What I was looking to do was to please myself. Yeah. And so I, I, you know, I, I didn't want to be a bad person. I wanted to do good things, but I wanted to please myself too. You know, God is so gracious and so faithful. He had other plans. So, you went to went to college at Mount Sac, and that's where you right. met grandma, that's where you met grandma. That was pretty, I did. that was pretty miraculous how you guys well, met and your story. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, I, I was living in Colorado. I went to the University of Colorado. I had a small scholarship, and I had money that I had saved by working all through high school. And I went there, but at the end of the year, my grades weren't so great. I didn't have a scholarship for the second year and I didn't have money for the second year. And my grandmother came to visit and she said, why don't you come to California and live with me and you can go to a community college in California 
a lot cheaper than you can go to the University of Colorado. So I said, well, that sounds like a prospect better than what I had, because if I didn't move, I would have to get a job and work full time and try to go to college at night. That didn't thrill me hardly at all. <laughs> so I came to California and I went to a community college, Mount San Antonio College. And uh, I met Marianne. Uh, well, I saw her the very first day that I had classes there. She was in one of my classes in the theater department. And I thought, wow, this is a, this is a cool chick. I got to meet this girl. And so I did. And we, uh, we met and we, uh, I asked her out and we had a date and that went well and we liked each other. And lo and behold, we had a, a whirlwind courtship. We met in August and at the end of August in the very first class. By December, we were engaged and we got married the following August. That's awesome. You, um, it was awesome. Now, the and first time it, you met her, you kissed her hand, right? <laughs> I did. And she thought, what kind of guy is this? Nobody kisses hands anymore. What is he trying to do? What is he trying to prove? Who, who does he think he is? And so on. I, I think she was a little put off by that, but she gave me a, a chance anyway. Mm. And it worked out, worked out very well. Uh, and it was interesting, you know, we, 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 after we got to know each other, we talked about all the times when I lived in Iowa, when I was a boy, she came to the town where I lived to visit her relatives there. Oh wow! When I lived in Colorado, she had relatives who lived in Denver. So she was there. And there, those were, were times where we could have met because in the, in the town in Iowa, I lived, I went to the swimming pool every day in the summertime and the municipal pool. And she went to that pool too. So we could have met there. But uh, God arranged it for us, for me to come to California to meet her. Wow. It says something about God's plan and his timing. for the, 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 the people that you're supposed to, to marry. Uh, and it was never the kind of thing where he pushed and shoved, but he just orchestrated these small things to happen along the way, which led me there. I feel the same uh, way with um, me and my girlfriend, Shay. Yeah that we, we met seven years ago and actually eight years ago and back in 2014. And it wasn't until last year that we reconnected and we hit it off and it was just God's perfect timing because now we're looking to get married. Yeah, it is. It's a wonderful thing. So you met, you met grandma, you guys got married mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. where'd you, where'd you live at? We, we lived, um, we, we uh, got a, a small house that we rented. First, we lived in an apartment in Long Beach. Uh -huh. we, we got married and, and uh, we said to each other, now, what are we going to do? We both were working part time and going to school. And uh, we said, gosh, what are we going to do now that we're married? And how are we going to just going to work out? And Marianne graciously said, look, I'm going to get a full-time job so that we'll have money coming in and work you through school. And then when you get through school, you get a full-time job and work me through school. Yeah. So she stopped and, and uh, got a job so that we had money to exist on. In those days, it wasn't a lot of money, but we were able to go through and we had a great time in our poverty. And uh, 
it was it was terrific. Anyway, then our daughter was born, and and we we moved to uh, San Gabriel and rented a small house. And I was doing substitute teaching while I thought I was going to while I was taking some classes to get a teaching credential because I thought teaching is something I could do and maybe should do and. My dad had really discouraged me from being an actor, which I wanted to be saying that's not a good profession. Yeah. But anyway, uh, but uh, so I, all through the school year I worked and I had, a, I had a lot of jobs. I worked almost every single day and made enough money to cover our bills and our expenses. But when summertime came, there's no school. So I thought I got to get a job for the summer. So I applied for a job. I saw that in the paper that the telephone company was hiring people. And I thought, well, I'll, see what that's all about. So I applied and they brought me in for an interview. And at the interview, the guy said to me, uh, you have a college degree? I said, I do. He said, what, what's your degree? And I said, well, it's in history. He said, history, is that like government? And I said, well, yeah, it's a lot like government. He said, great. And before I knew it, I was put on the city of Los Angeles account. Whoa. Working with, working with, uh, with other guys and there were there were four of us that that handled one handled the police department one handled the fire department uh and the the other uh, of us handled the mayor and city hall and the city council and i thought wow Mm. this is terrific yeah this is my job was every day was to check out a car, drive over to city hall, sit down with the city's telecommunications group, find out what their needs were, what their desires were and what things we had that would make their lives easier or better or more secure or whatever and deal with them. And my boss told me, your job is to make the city of Los Angeles, the mayor and city hall happy. That's your job. That's a tough, that's a tall order. It's a tall order, but actually it was a, it was a fun order and talk about an easy job. I mean, we would sit around and have coffee and then go to lunch and just shoot the breeze with those guys all all the time, trying to think, no, what, what is it that they need and how can we help this work and make it work better? Yeah. Sounds like it's a great job. You have, yeah, go ahead. Well, (laughs) I was just going to say, uh, some of the skills that God granted me, uh, became evident. My boss asked me to write a, a, a short thing for uh, the newsletter from the telephone company. So I wrote a little piece and they liked it. So they decided I should write all the time for that. And they, they decided I had some skills and they asked me if I would conduct a meeting, a training meeting. And I said, sure. And so I did. And they liked that. And suddenly they were saying, we're, we're going to groom you for moving up here in the company at that time california had its own telephone company it was part of the bell system Hmm. uh but it was the california system at all so here i was working in the office and i you know was able to talk to the regional vice president and all kinds of people and they were grooming me for some kind of moving up the ladder in the midst of that I got a call from my uncle mm. who, who had uh, gone to Iowa as a filmmaker. And he called me at, he called me at my work actually, and said, uh, I, I just purchased uh, seven movie theaters and I need someone to, to run 
two of the theaters, an indoor and a drive-in in a small town. So God really gave you a family and he gave you a family, gave you a daughter, gave you a good job that you're kind of moving up in. Things are looking really good. You're still not going to church though, right? Uh, no. Okay. So you're not going to that's, church. That's, that's kind of been something in the past, but then the yeah. Lord kind of throws you a wrench in, in those plans and orchestrates something that will change your entire life. You know, um, Benjamin Franklin was right. Yeah. The living God <clears throat> is involved in the affairs of men, not only great men, not only countries, but individuals like you and me. Yeah. Well, my uncle said, I need, I need somebody to come and run these two theaters in this little town in southeastern Iowa. They're the only theaters in the town, but I need somebody I can trust mm -hmm. to run them. And I said, well, gee, what, you know, uh, I love you and I like to work for you, but I don't know enough. I don't know anything about theaters and operating yeah. theaters, not yeah. the first idea. And uh, what does it pay? And he said, he told me a figure, which was about one third of what I was making there. And I'm saying, said, well, we just started looking at a house. We can afford to buy a three-bedroom house. And, uh, you know, I'm moving up in the job. And I'm just, all these things are opening up. And he said, well, I can't offer you much, but I, I'd like you to come and do this. He said, you'd be in this little town. You wouldn't know anybody there. You don't, don't have any family or friends there. So leave everything that you know, leave your family, leave my, by the time my parents had moved to California, my siblings were here in California. Wow. Marianne's parents were here in California. We lived near enough to visit all of them every single day if we wanted to. Uh, all of our friends here were here that we'd gone to college with. And so he in essence said to me, not quite in these words, but he said, I'm gonna give you one third of the money that you're making now. I want you to move someplace where you don't know anybody and to do a job that you know absolutely nothing about. <laughs> so please say yes. And you guys so I told, I, I told, I talked to Marianne about it when I got home that day from work and we said, well, let's, we'll think about it. And the next day I said, you know, I don't know why, but I, I have the feeling I'm supposed to do this. And she said, I don't know why, but I have the feeling too, that we're supposed to do this. Wow. So and this is, you guys aren't following the Lord right now. We're not, we're not going to church. Um, yeah, we're, we're not, we're not really active at all in the, in that sense. Uh, but you guys both anyway, so I, because God I, was moving you guys and your hearts to go to Iowa for a very specific he, reason. He was, he was. And, and interestingly, like most things that God does, looking back on them, we can go, oh, I see how God used this and then this and then this and then this and then this to make this. Yeah. And uh, literally God has done that in my life with all kinds of things. But we, we, we decided that we would move to Iowa. So we packed up our, we rented a 30 foot van. We put our little car on the back of it on a tow bar we loaded up our dog and our daughter and all of our furniture and we drove to Iowa wow. and we drove straight to this little town where again where we didn't know anybody we checked into the motel and we know it was a small town because we we got there it was late in the day when we got there and we checked into the motel and we got to our room and opened the room door and the phone rang in our room and I said hello 
the the word had gotten around that we were coming. Apparently, people at the motel started calling people in town saying, they're here. That evening, we got calls from the Lions Club, the Rotary Club, the Women's Club, inviting Marianne and I to join these various clubs now that we were here in their town. Oh, my gosh. We thought... We just checked in, we just <laughs> went to the room and already people are calling us. This, this is a town that knows too much about everybody and what they're doing. We're not used to this. We're from a big area where your neighbors may or may not know who you are and what you're doing. But God led us through that. He, he, he taught us how to do the stuff there. We, we had the two theaters, Marianne, was a terrific help and she was in charge of all the food at the drive-in theater and uh, we, we would go to the theaters every day in fact in the summertime we put our daughter in a car seat and she would watch the movies at the drive-in while we were busy working all the stuff that needed to be done there and I would go back and forth from the drive-in to the indoor theater which was open all year long the drive-in was only open in the summertime yeah uh, we, we did that and then and then the day came when uh, one of the guys in, in my uncle's office left and my uncle asked me to come to his office in Des Moines, Iowa and work there and not be a theater manager any longer, but to do uh, advertising, hmm. to advertise for the theaters. And in those days, most of the advertising for the theaters that we did was in newspapers. The newspaper would come out every day and you would have, you know, whatever your theaters were playing, you'd have big ads to try to attract attention. Yeah. And so I did that. And while I was there, uh, a young man came to see my uncle. My uncle had made two movies in Iowa by that time. Some of this stuff I haven't heard yet. So this is awesome. Oh, well, he, he made a, a, a movie called The Hostage, which was released through United Artists. And then he made a movie called Fever Heat, which was about dirt track racing, uh -huh. uh, which was released through Paramount. Uh, but now all of, his, uh, all of his concentration at this point was on the movie theaters, because we had seven theaters and uh, trying to get films into the theaters and make them run successfully was a huge job. But at that time, a young man came to see him. And he came to see him because my uncle was a believer. Yeah. This young man had, had been involved in filmmaking and had been in California and done some things here in California, but now was living in Iowa and was working at the local PBS station. And he said that he, he had felt like he was supposed to be making a film. And so he asked around about people who could make films and particularly Christians who could make films because he was a new Christian. And he was directed to my uncle as a Christian man who makes films. Yeah. And so he came and they started working together and they, they met together and became friends and started thinking about things that they might do. And God gave them some ideas. And one of them was making a, a Christian film that would be very to have very specific strong evangelism in it and so this young man don thompson came to the office virtually every day and he and my uncle would pray together and work together for a few hours each day on their idea for this movie now your your uncle uncle russ stoughton he was a very strong believer right 
He was a very strong believer. Yes. So here you are. He's a believer and very strong. And here you are a non-believer and God has moved you directly <laughs> under somebody right. across the nation right. who is a strong believer. Yes. God's plan is let's do this. So my uncle who I loved dearly and got along with very well, he was actually present at my birth. Uh, would take me out to lunch every day and he would talk to me about the bible and about jesus and about faith and about all kinds of things so he he used that time to to minister to me and as the time went on uh i began to understand more and more things you know i thought i got a good understanding i you know i've read parts of the bible before i yeah. heard the bible stories i could tell you bible stories sure uh so I thought, you know, I'm, I'm in good shape. But some of the things that he said to me were, uh, do you do you have faith? And if so, what is your faith in? Is your faith in your own actions? Is your faith yeah. in who you are and what you can do? Is that the kind of faith that God has calling you to? And what about your own sin and your own stumbles in your own life you know what about those things anyway he began to open my eyes to the point where that faithful day came mm. where i said i've got to make a decision about this mm. that was a tough thing it wasn't it wasn't the oh my gosh i'm going to make a decision for jesus it, it was a, it was a real, am I going to do this or not do this? What, what made it, what made it tough? <clears throat> I don't know that I can specifically pinpoint one thing, but, uh, I, I sensed, I think it's making a decision for Jesus this, is not like, you know, what flavor ice cream do you want? That's it. It was not a small decision because I, on one level, I understood that this was going to be a change in my life from now on, even though part of me was saying, that's a great thing. Part of me was saying, that's a scary thing. Yeah. That's yeah. a, that's a very scary thing. This is going to be a change. But there, there was a day when I, when I finally said, Lord, I don't know, I, you know, you know how I feel about this, but I'm going to, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to believe, I'm going to trust, I'm going to ask Jesus, come on in, thank you for saving me, thanks for forgiving my sin, you know, I, I didn't have it in those precise words, but that's what I was saying to God, and he did. Yeah, I think he it's did. a scary decision for some people, because there's a, a old pamphlet, it's called My Heart, Christ's Home, uh -huh. and it, it's really cool because, you know, we, we have our own lives and we have the deed to that life. We, we get to decorate the room how we want to. The room is our life in our hearts. We get to decorate it how we want to. We get to do what, what we want in that room or in that house, if you will. But when you make a decision for Jesus, you're saying, Lord, I want you to come in, not to be a guest. I'm going to sign over the deed to you. And you have the ability and the power and the, the right 
to move things around how you want them to be done. If you want to take out a wall, you can take out a wall. If you want to change the windows, you can change the windows. You are Lord of this property of my life. And that's a very scary decision for some people. Actually, it's a very scary decision for all of us because we like to be in control. But it's amazing because when you actually, Jesus says, if you want to save your life, if you want to hold on to that deed, you're going to lose your life. But if you lose your life for my sake, if you sign the deed over to me, you'll actually find your life. And that's the same thing that it's, it's an interesting paradox in, in Christianity and God likes to do that. And that's exactly yeah. what, what you experienced. Well, yes. And, and if I may can go on for a little bit, here I am working at the office. Don Thompson's coming in every day and uh, my office was separated from my uncle's office. But Don would come by my office every morning and say, hi, how you doing? And we'd talk for a little bit. And then he'd go and go to his meeting with Russell. And uh, I knew they were working on a script of some kind for some kind of movie, but I didn't know much about what was going on. One day, Don Thompson came to my office and he, we talked a little bit and he said, uh, you know, we're working on this script for this movie. And he said, uh, uh, did you ever do, ever do any do, ever do any acting? And I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, I did a lot of acting in, in community theater and in school. And I, my, I have a minor in drama. He said, oh, he said, okay, well, we might have a part for you in this movie. I said, great. That's wow. great. Well, they started working on a part for me, not only a part for me, but a part for Marianne wow. in this movie. And the day came when they finished the script and said, we're going to start raising money to make this movie. Wow. And sure enough, Marianne and I were invited to participate in the movie. Now, this th- th- this is uh, this is where things get kind of spicy, if you will, because this is awesome. Um, this movie was a very, very big movie. Um, it was worldwide. Lots of people saw it, and it was very strong salvation message that people resonated with people and helped them make a decision for Christ. This movie um, was something that scared the living daylights out of me when I was a kid. But now that I'm older and that my relationship with Christ is secure, I love it. And um, it was called a thief in the night. And we'll have to get into more of this in our next episode for part two of this, but give us a little brief synopsis of what it was. We're, we're going to talk about the, the movie called A Thief in the Night. That movie was an unusual movie. Uh, there, there have been many Christian movies made that were good, good Christian movies, but this movie was able to blend several things that were very common Uh, We had characters that were real characters in real situations that people would be able to look at and say, well, you know, that's stuff that I do, or that's places I go, or that's events that I do, or that's thinking that I have. Yeah. With an Mm -hmm. extremely well-chosen, but completely open call Mm. to make a decision for Jesus as your savior and 
as the Lord of your life. Yeah. And that, that part of the movie comes not, we're doing the movie and then we're going to lay this on. Yeah. That was integral, uh, integral to the movie itself. So that you never had the sense that, oh, now here comes the preaching part. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't preach. It doesn't preach. It takes real people in real situations doing real things, coming to a real conclusion. Mm. And uh, that movie was so successful that even though we don't have exact figures, we have a lot of figures because the movie was first released to churches and then to uh, Christian film libraries and then to uh, all kinds of retail places after we put it on VHS and then DVD and the movie has gone around the world, been translated into, I don't know, 17, 18 languages. Uh, when I went to India, for example, people in India knew who I was from the movie. Wow. Marianne and I over the years have been stopped in restaurants and restrooms by, from people who say, I know you, you're from, you're from a thief in the night. Uh, we've had showings all over the world and a, an estimate based on attendance at the showings, based on sales of the movie, based on rentals of the movie, we estimate that there are probably close to 6 million people who have come to Christ as a result of this movie. Wow. Not because we were so great, uh, but because of what God did. And we'll go into that more in detail in the future yeah well we'll we'll show you some clips and uh there's some clips that are in my mind that we'll show next time that would be good to dissect a little bit um Mm -hmm. but this is great and for you guys watching um think about the way that god works in your own life you know hindsight's usually 2020 and no matter how old you are you can always look back and see lord i see what you were doing there yeah. And if you don't, if you can't figure that out, ask him to show you. And if you can't figure it out, you're probably going through it right now. But the whole point of us going through things in life is so that we will make a decision for Jesus and that he will be the Lord of our lives. And we'll get into the movie next time um, for part two. But Grandpa, thanks for sharing. And we well, hope thank you, Tim. We hope this encourages you all watching. God bless you. Yes, we do. God bless you.